All right, Bus Bench Babes. Today we have Ellie Cummings. She is a senior vice president of New American Funding. And this woman has like weathered every up and down, every backwards forwards thing you can imagine in the mortgage business and weathers it with grace and style. And she's she's one hella badass. So I'm so excited for you guys to meet her. Let's dive in. You're listening to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast, where we invite you to check your ego at the app, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to dive into all things real estate marketing, social media, friendship, hardship, love, money mindset, and all the things that celebrate you as a badass boss babe. We're here to encourage you, show up for you, give you a loving kick in the pants when you need it most, and be your soft place to land on the hardest of days. So pull up a seat at our table and get ready to be inspired and start living your best life by design. Welcome to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. We are so excited you're here. Okay, girls, let's dive in. Hi, Ellie, thanks for being here. Thank you, I'm excited to be here. (laughs) As I'm obsessing over a tangled bracelet, but I'm going to stop on that. <laughs> well, so when I was thinking about, we, I, you know, Christine always had brainstorm sessions. We're like, who do we want to interview on the podcast? And uh, you came to mind because you have been at this for so long. Like I met you through a family friend and I'm thinking like 2002. So at least 20 years ago. Yep. And you were in your 20s back then, I think. I was in my early 30s, but you were for sure in your 20s. And like, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, what do you do for fun when you're not working and being a badass boss babe? And it's like, fun is work. No, I, and I do love what I do. So it doesn't feel like work, but for fun, it's travel for me. I think I figured it that yeah, out Yeah, that's what you ago. and I have in common for sure. I'm always like FOMOing yeah. over your trips. <laughs> it was, I figured that out a long time ago that I'm like, there's so much world to see and I'm going to do my best to see as much of it as possible. So if I am not talking about mortgages or working mortgages, I am probably planning a trip or on a trip. Or remodeling a house or something. Exactly. I'm just crazy enough to always want to be remodeling houses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ellie has really beautiful style. And so that's always fun to compare notes about that kind of stuff, too. Well, and likewise, your house, love your taste, love your style. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So did you always know that you wanted this to be your career path? Absolutely not. I don't What'd think- you go to school for? <laughs> I went to school- Did you go to St. Thomas? No, I showed up there late because the girls were at St. Thomas and I had just finished at UMD. Okay. I did like that fast track, did PSEO in high school so that- I did too. I could knock I out a couple that. years of college. Yeah. And I went to UMD and I started pre-law and then I decided that really wasn't what I wanted to do. And then for about five minutes, I thought fashion mer- merchandising sounded fun. And then I could see you doing that too. Yep. But it was Dayton's was getting bought by Marshall Fields. And it oh, like, oh, yeah, it all went downhill after Dayton's. For me, left. I was like, that's, <laughs> that's not going to work. And then I thought finance. And so I finished with finance as a degree, knowing nothing about mortgage and having no, that wasn't my plan. Mm hmm. And it was two months out of college. I had probably, like most people, I had a job right out of college that was, it was a job. Like all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I'm an adult. I need to do 
something and it was terrible. It was selling magazine inserts for a magazine that nobody wanted to buy anyway. So who wanted to buy advertising (laughs) in it? (laughs) And it was by accident. I had someone in my family was in mortgage. It was my stepsister. She moved from California to here and she was like, we need help. We need a receptionist. We need an office manager. And I'm like, well, I would do just about anything to get to not be selling, selling these inserts. <laughs> <magazine> subscriptions. Yep. <laughs> yes. And that was back in 1998. So wow. Fast forward to now and I've been doing it ever since. Oh my gosh. So you weathered the infamous crash 0708. Oh yes. Like how how did that go? Like, what did that look like? How are you still here? Like, I know that ran me out of the business and I oh, had to take a hiatus. It was awful. It was horrible. It was, I just think I remember the implodometer of every day you're looking at companies that are going out of business. What kind of role did you have around then? So I was a senior VP running operations in like wholesale third party origination for a company in Minneapolis at the time, like a regional company. And we had it was like twofold. So our our demise there was not really it, it wasn't driven by the industry. It was driven by an unscrupulous player who spent some time in prison. Oh wow! After so well, we, there's a lot of that back in the day. Yeah. yeah. So we had to do a real quick shutdown, figure life out, and yeah. we got all of our employees and everybody shifted to one company. I didn't want to go and for I had I had a few months where I was like, what am I gonna do? Yeah, like like the, you could get out and do something different. Yes, and I interviewed in some other positions and one of them was I know you had gotten into the home health care. One of them mm-hmm. a, a friend of mine who was an attorney that we did a lot, a lot of work with, he was on a board of a home health care agency and they needed someone in like finance and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, and I thought about it and I went there and that was another one of those things where I was really glad it didn't work out because they had some not so good things happen with some potential fraud after. And I was like, so dodged a bullet, but it was like, I couldn't come up with, with what else. And I really was passionate about the, the industry. And so most people thought I was absolutely bonkers, but I started a mortgage company with the backing of a financial services group in 2009. So like everybody was running. I didn't know that. Running away. And I was like. And you like ran into the fire. Yep. And it was a big fire. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. What do you. I didn't. Yeah. That kind of blows my mind. That is super crazy that you were like head first into the fire. So like you. What did that even look like? What are like, how did you get like people were laying off people left and right. So were you just like, hey, like, I know that you're good at what you do. And like, I would love to have you on board. And people are like, well, how am I going to make a living? Is that what did that what those conversations look like when you're trying to start up a company? It did there. I mean, that was a, a fairly accurate summation of it. And it was also at the time. So coming out of the, you know, like the biggest crash ever and the industry was just battered and there was a lot of bad things that happened in the the industry so there was a whole new host of regulation that was coming into play and Mm -hmm. licensing requirements so it was there was we'll call it challenging a little 
a little bit of getting up and going from that perspective. So there was there was a time frame that was a little longer than planned of just getting things going to even operate to do like business. Like the logistics part of it. Like yeah. everyone needs to be licensed. Yeah. Like and it was crash like course everybody. six months of all of that yeah. and trying to figure that out and in getting set up with investors. And it was really interesting because it's a time where investors are scared to do business with so anybody yeah. and being a brand new company and yeah. how do we know you're going to be there tomorrow and why should we do business with you so it was it was a lot of challenges that we worked through we it was so it was just me for i mean like i was employee zero and for really? like 6 months of just getting everything set up and then we started i started hiring salespeople and it was some of them, I didn't go back to the people that I knew. I, it was like almost like a fresh mm-hmm. start of starting with people. But there was also a lot of displaced people because of what had happened in salespeople, too, and people that were but like, like so many people breath. got out of the business altogether. Yes. So were you and were you targeting people like, oh, I know this person was awesome at this place, or was it there was a little of that and some two of I think that this person could be great in a different role mm-hmm. if we could get them talked back into mm-hmm. coming into this. And over the handful of years that I was doing that, we went from just me to about 60 employees. That's awesome. Doing business and we did business in 20 states. We worked a lot with financial advisors and financial planners doing mortgage reviews and mortgage plans and it was it was kind of our not that it was we were doing something secret that people weren't but our approach to it was very different Mm -hmm. and how we did it so it was really what like got our foot back well any good mortgage advisor needs to have a great counterpart in all different fields like in a good accountant and mortgage professionals so i mean that's providing well-rounded service so it's awesome that you had those relationships and it was in a time when people were still freaking out for sure because the real estate market i mean what's so different today the real estate market had you know just crashed and burned right. like and it was people are sitting on houses that are worth 30% of what they potentially mm-hmm. paid for it so focusing on growing around not just the traditional way with real estate agents but going the with financial advisors was what was needed at the time to get us Mm -hmm. to get us going and that was like the you know we'll call it phase one of that company before we took more of that traditional approach as well as the market started to recover because then it was far more refinancing than purchasing because Mm -hmm. you had when they when the stimulus started of all that and rates dropped for the first time to the historic lows then there was a ton of opportunity in the the refi market so smart well, like you're a total hustler. What do you, how do you find, how do you define balance? And like, how do you achieve that? Like in your personal life? I would say, and to me, balance is so different for so many people. It is, I think you have to, whatever your balance is needs to be the focus on something you truly love. So mm-hmm. sometimes I kind of go pinch me because I do still like love this industry and love what I do so that it doesn't feel imbalanced when there's a lot of work because it's become such a part of who I am. But there's also 
you can't go that hard and run that fast and just be business all the time. And well, yeah, the last baby. two years, if they taught us anything, they're like, oh, my God, I need to push pause. Like, yes, it's been crazy. <laughs> yes. And doing that, and I do like, I'm far more intentional. And I think that came out of the last couple of years, too, because it was so easy to mm-hmm. just be 100% into into business. And, yeah. and, you know, there was and there were times where you're like, well, there's not really a whole lot else to do. But like, the, I'm just working from home. I'll just keep working all day, all night. <laughs> yep, maybe I'll just change clothes or move from one room to the next. So it feels a little less like I'm working. But yeah, it's but getting out of there. Like when I say out of there, out of that headspace is key. And I do a lot of it for me is is reading and is like cheesy as it sounds. I do like I have become a morning person, like a early morning person. Me too. I love the quiet of the mornings. And I don't. It's magical. I Like I plan my day and I think about work, but I also sometimes I'm I'm usually always reading some meditation of sorts, whatever it is, like getting my thoughts together. Like I plan even when I'm traveling for work, I plan an entire hour before I even start getting ready of mm-hmm. just like my It's kind of like a morning routine. They've written books about it. Yeah. Like that miracle morning. Just yeah. like sit and be I and feel create like your making, intentions for the day. Making my own. And I saw you posted something about that recently. And I'm like, I've like kind of unintentionally, but now intentionally created that. That's so that awesome. Routine. But that helps, like, I think that helps set the tone for my day. And when it's like going back to balance, when you're starting your day intentional with something like a goal in mind, what you want to get accomplished, what you want to do. And and some of that is even outside, like a lot of it is outside of work of after that, then I want to do this. And oh, I'm going to read that or do that and that. When you're reading, do you read like business books or self-help or fun, like, fiction like what all of the above it that's is, awesome and in the morning i'm usually reading business books or some type of self-help type and they okay. all kind of tie to the to things like i've been reading more about habits recently i find that really fascinating i have atomic habits over there trying to figure yeah. out you know <laughs> ways to to pull those back in the when i'm reading like the fun stuff that could be so random and whatever that's usually not in my morning because that's the that's like what You're i want like, to read on the beach the or yeah. yep yeah the i save the i have my whole other stack of books for a saturday afternoon with no plans or sitting on the beach on vacation i love that um i i really think your life is truly inspiring and like you i love that you're like i just bought a house in Florida and now I'm remodeling it and I'm just going to go be a badass and live in Florida. Or I'm just going to go yep. to Italy and <laughs> go drink wine all over. Yep. Um, you've always been someone that I've really admired in the business. And like, I just love that you, like you walk the walk, you talk the talk, but you also, you never seem like you're really like phased or stressed out by the business. And I'm probably not in it's I don't know where like where that came and I don't know if and I shouldn't say I don't know because it was probably I think I was a lot more phased by it pre crash yeah but going through all of that I you learn how little you can control so how you know like yeah you could have been doing every single thing right and none of us thought that the industry would implode as quick as it no. did. And and it didn't matter. And it was like how I react to this matters 
far more than I think it think it does. But it is I don't get real flustered by this anymore. I mean, I'm always thinking about it and it's like I'm it's a priority and I've got a sense of urgency, but you'll never see me you'll never see me like screaming or having some type of Yeah, fit I've never or seen you lose your cool. <laughs> no, and I like but I I don't think that's in my nature. Like I have had dreams where I was trying to like yell and I physically couldn't because that's like probably how little like I don't know if I've ever actually yelled like I hate having to like raise my voice to get someone's attention. Yeah. So people probably really appreciate that about working with you. Yeah, it's I mean, I'm certainly not perfect and there's always things to be working on. But the I think my anyone around me would would say being a. A hothead is not one of the things I need to. I feel like that's a superpower in your role. <laughs> I love that. Well, let's shift gears and talk about the actual mortgage business. Um, like, how is your company pivoting during, like, we're in a shifting market. That's, that's what's fair. happening. Everybody knows it. Like, how are you guys preparing for it? And how are you changing and taking action? So in a lot, I would say a lot of different ways. But one of the main things, and this is is not so much a pivot, is getting back to the basics because with so been much saying that too and i don't know why people are still chasing shiny pennies it is basics it is if, if it sounds too good to be true it is i yeah. mean there's tools today that we need to use that we didn't like we didn't talk about three two one buy downs or two one buy downs a year or two ago no, right. you didn't need to buy it on your interest rate right. on a temporary basis or permanent basis if right. your interest rates are three <laughs> percent yeah. yeah i mean it's like a buy down what yeah. And, you know, we didn't talk about assumptions back then in ways or or recasting and how to sell non-contingent and do mm-hmm. different things because everything just happened so fast. So we do we do focus on some different product right now and ways to make things work because things are different when when rates have effectively doubled mm-hmm. inside of a year it affects how much people qualify for mm-hmm. and what they need to be looking at or their whole journey into that. So there's, but a lot of that is, is training on patience for people and especially for salespeople and loan officers, because before you would meet with a client and that client is like, okay, I can qualify for more than I ever thought I could because rates <laughs> are so low. Yeah. Let's go shopping tomorrow and yeah. let's buy a house and let's close in 21 days. And now that client the same profile of client comes in and goes, well, I thought I could qualify for more. And they're and hemming now, and hawing and yep, and deliberating now over it. And yeah, we're seeing that on the real and estate. And is now the right too. time. And so it's a it's a different journey in a different way. And so we train more on like patience and how is the best way to follow up and different ways to present things because when people are on the fence, you need to present in more ways and give them options. And they don't want to be like oversold because that doesn't right. feel good either if they're like, ooh, this is already freaking me out. Yeah, they're not like push, push, push. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of that that we do, but we spend so much time on just that back to the basics of, and I know you probably, not probably, I know you deal with this because you invest in yourself and you invest in a coach and you're always working on your business mm-hmm. in so much of that is the basics of if I get up every day and I do this activity, mm-hmm. I will get these results. Now, the numbers might change. I might have to call 15 more people than I did this week, you know, yeah. or 100 because your funnel a year ago could be a lot smaller because they were coming through it so fast. Mm-hmm. And now it's like you have to have so much more going just based on the the rate of things coming through. Right. But 
I mean, top producers are still top producers in mm-hmm. down markets. And there's still people in this market that are doing better than they were a year ago. Right. And in so much of that comes from if you like listen to them it isn't because they made up some fancy non-existent loan program that really doesn't exist it is because they are just doubling down and getting back to the basics on the stuff that works Mm -hmm. they know works yeah it's like every time i turn around like we had we were at summit in august for tom ferry coaching and that's what they're like back to the basics like yep the market's always going to be up it's going to be down it's going to be do whatever it's going to do and like what can you do to just not be affected by the highs and lows. Right. And it's, yeah. and I think what happens with so many people and we, we see it with our own people is like that start stop of people like humans by nature. I think when we get discouraged, the first, the first response is to just take a break. And that's like the worst <laughs> I'm exhibit thing. A. Yeah. I do that all the time. And I'm like, come on, no, can't yep, do this. Like, like, the I worst thing to going. do. And yeah. it's like, cause if you, if you stop and sometimes like, and this is to, like totally different from the context of taking a break to like take a vacation, like taking a planned break. Yeah. But it's the if I am talking about prospecting and I go really hard for a month and then I get frustrated because the the day 30, I had a bad day. And so then I just stopped. <laughs> mm-hmm. Days one through 29 were a waste because I stopped. You right. know, it's like keep, you got to keep going. And that's that's part of those basics of just it's the hardest thing to do when you're like oh, right i just I want to curl just, up and yeah or you're like why are my efforts not paying off like maybe they did in a different market yeah but then don't you agree then all of a sudden they do yeah and it's the yeah. and it might be slightly different but it's always seems to be when you're on the brink of almost panic of is this really going to come together <laughs> that all of a sudden it it does, does. Yeah. All of a sudden you have a handful of accepted offers and things come together and you're like, this did not, two days ago. The two I days ago, this was not this. looking like, this right. was not looking good. Right. You're like, hmm, do I, do I really want to be in real estate or mortgage? Uh, yeah. I feel like the universe a lot of times will reward me. Like I'll start lead generating or I'll be on like a super steady, awesome track of it. And then some random past client out of the blue will call and say, hey, I want to. So it's almost like I'm not getting results from what I'm actually doing. But like the universe is like, all right, I'm going to give do you a solid. You're doing yeah. the work. And someone that you wasn't even on your radar now wants to buy Here's a, a carrot. And now this yeah. is. But then, then you're like, also, oh, I'm going to keep going. Yeah, it re-energizes yeah. you because you're like, OK, I got a win. And even though it wasn't out of this mm-hmm. column, a win is a win at that point. Uh, I totally agree with that. Well, like, let's talk about what you predict, what your predictions are. Like, what do you think is going to happen, like, in the real estate and mortgage space here in the next couple of years, even like in the next six months or 2023? So I do not have the doom and gloom outlook. And I'm sure. Which I'm so excited to hear that. There's (laughs) so I was listening to a podcast this weekend and I'm like, I'm shutting this off because I'm literally going to jump in a noose. It was so bad. It was so bad. We don't have time for that. No. No. And there is, I think there's so many people and that comes from so many people are operating from a place of fear right now. Scarcity mode. Yeah. And then they go to like, it's going to be 2009 all over again. And I'm like, it is nowhere. I mean, there's not a single indicator right now that tells us it's going to be 2009 all over again or anywhere near that. And we spend like, I'm sure like you, I have my handful of like 
trusted resources of economists and places that I'm looking at and paying attention to. You have to way more than I do, I'm sure. <laughs> and it's the I kind of geek out over the data and spend time yeah. every morning looking at it and where things are going and who kind of who says what. But the I see, and especially in like Minnesota, where we're somewhat insular to like mm-hmm. what happens on the coasts, mm-hmm. we don't have the swings. You see revised forecasts now of going into 2023 of maybe some downward revisions to some markets contracting of actually maybe having a shade of a, a loss in values. When I say a shade, I'm talking like a percent. Which is nothing. Nothing. Considering and people have seen double 30, digits. 30, 40, 50% yeah. depreciation. And most of it is when you look where, like where I do business, it's it's not. There are markets that still are probably going to be in that eight to ten percent range. There's some that might slow down to like two to three percent. We'll call it. Mm-hmm. But that is that to me is not a down market. I mean, we're no. coming off a couple of really good years, right? But we know nothing lasts forever. Just like a a bus cycle doesn't last forever, neither does a boom cycle. Mm-hmm. And and I think that 2023 is. I think we've. I think we've kind of hit the worst of it. And especially when it comes to interest rates, it Mm -hmm. really feels like what's happened in the last month is really tested a ceiling. And I don't think that interest rates are going to go up to 9%. I don't think interest rates are going to go to 8%. Yes, we've dabbled into all of a sudden, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, 7%. Right. But then I also look at that and go, I spent the first half of my career with rates averaging 7%. So that's what I did back in my mortgage and real estate days in the 2000s and early, yeah. And nobody cared because nobody knew any different. Right. And then we had the crash and then you get the Fed involved and they started stimulating the economy and they started manipulating the interest rates. Mm -hmm. And as a society, we got really used to that for the last 13 years Mm -hmm. and not just in mortgages. It you felt it in if you financed a car, mm-hmm. if you any even even people that had credit cards, whatever you could, everything was so much lower, and it was, mm-hmm. and it was all, it wasn't the how the world ever worked before two thousand eight two thousand nine. So we go through this phase of where we just got so used to it that we even thought when we would get close to five percent that rates were high. That it's like when you think about it, for thirty years. Having a rate of six or seven percent is really not that high if you want to think of it just no. from that perspective. Yeah, it is. If you look at even what the stock market does over 30 years in a conservative estimate, you'd make at least 10 percent on your money. Mm-hmm. So, if I am just an investor and someone wants me to borrow, like put my money into something for 30 years. And I go, well, conservatively, I can get a return of 10% in the stock market mm-hmm. as a private investor. Why would I want to lend my money to someone for two, three, four, five, even 6%? Yeah. So it goes back to just what we became accustomed to. And I'm believe me, I'm not a proponent of rates staying up there. My life mm-hmm. would be so much easier if rates were 3%. Yeah, me too. But it's not. But it's not. It's not realistic. It's not the end of the world. And it's also, yeah, yeah it's not realistic. Yeah. And at some point... We, it'll be good for all of us to have an economy that's less propped up by the Fed and that has some more private investors in it, even on the mortgage side, mm-hmm. that offer product in there. And and that does mean that rates on that product would be higher. But but that's a a totally different angle on that. But I do, 
I think that we're back to the original comment. I think we're kind of at a ceiling. It feels like it. We've tried to, what most people don't see behind the scenes is like how volatile these rates are and how much our days are up and down watching this. I've heard it's like multiple rate sheets a day type thing. And it can and be I remember that from my mortgage days. point swings. Yeah. And yeah. you're just like, oh my God, I can't even. And sometimes it's even hard to even like find a mark because it's moving, yeah. moving so fast. But with that, I mean, it, the market really tried to push push a high and it kept coming back back down. And and there's also a point where, you know, the market itself kind of cries uncle and there's mm-hmm. going to be, and the Fed will step in again. And it's a matter of, unfortunately, it becomes a matter of that frowned upon our word of we need, we need them to formally come out and say the word and say there's mm-hmm. a recession. And then you see them where start are they to not? Ease. There's the odd thing right now is unemployment is still low, so low. and there's yeah. still a pretty robust jobs market. Now, the the numbers are a little misleading because how they like how they count that. Like when you get a jobs report right now and the number comes in slightly higher, what it doesn't tell you is some of those jobs that have been added are people taking on second and third jobs to support mm. their families right now because mm-hmm. the cost of goods has gone up mm-hmm. so much. So there's a little bit of a misleading factor in thinking that there's so many more new jobs that are created because there's also a lot of them still being lost. If you see like FedEx revising forecasts and Amazon revising forecasts and they're laying off people and and it's, it's a not, lot of layoffs too. Yeah, it's big numbers and in yeah. sectors all over, not real estate or mortgage. Mm-hmm. But they really want a they want a period of time where they think that it's affected. And now we do have we've had two consecutive quarters, which meets the official definition of recession. Mm-hmm. But until the Economic Council on Recessions, I mean, it's not the <laughs> right name, but it's close to, to it, calls it. Yeah. It's not one. And and they're definitely not going to say it before an election. We have midterms coming up in a yeah. couple of weeks. Yeah. It's the, the belief right now is it'll be the end of Q1 when it's formally called. And then okay. you'll start to see the Fed step off. So the market has already priced in the Fed doing two more pretty significant rate hikes okay. and getting that FOMC rate to almost 5% by the end of the third quarter, which most every economist and World Bank leader thinks is too high. So that'll have everybody screaming for the relief valves to come on. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting how many people don't, it like even real estate agents where they think like when the fed changes the rate that that automatically means that the rate's going to change it's like so much of that is factored in way Way. ahead of time they've already accounted for a lot of that yep but it's in it's interesting especially like what i'm seeing is a lot of like newer people in the business that are they don't get that that's that's not like a one for one just because they your rates didn't go up three quarters of a point oh they announced it today so this is gonna affect me today yeah it's crazy yeah, yeah, so that's where part of it too, why I think we have have kind of capped, you know, and there's obviously my disclaimer would be if there's more unrest in the global markets, things right. could certainly change, but all signs point to the next changes we see being downward as Yay. far as rates go. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> which is awesome. So it's awesome. I've heard from a couple of very respected sources in the last couple of weeks the same thing and i'm like then i don't know why all the people these other people that are like still spewing like the doom and gloom are still doing that you're like there's 
It feels like there's good things on the horizon. There's far more good on the horizon than bad. And and I look at it too of it doesn't matter what what topic we pick. If we want to find something bad, we can have a whole conversation about right. what's wrong with it. Right. Or if we want to look at what's right and what's working, we can have an even better conversation because yeah. it's actually entertaining and fun and talk about all the things that are working and are right with it. Yeah. Um, the crazy thing is, I was thinking about, like, especially now that you're saying this, but I heard it a couple times last week where they're like, we're going to probably see some relief in like Q1 that that's going to potentially make for another really hot spring market. If everyone that's sitting on the fence, dilly dallying, like waiting for the sky to fall and rates go down, I think the market's going to go nuts and we still don't have enough inventory. Right. And the the inventory is going to, I think, you know, the bigger problem, still not doom and gloom, but that's our bigger problem yeah. over just slower home sales. And, and I, we, we, market this and we don't market it as a ploy i truly believe it that now is still a phenomenal time to buy because waiting for rates to potentially drop you're just going to pay more and yeah. your rate isn't permanent people don't keep their same mortgage i know that's what we keep it's, saying it's like you get into a house you can actually afford at whatever interest rates are rate. today and then you can always you can always change it yep do a low cost refi. Like there's all these options. You're working with an awesome loan officer. They're going to call you. Hey, I can save you $500. Let's get you refinanced. As soon as it makes sense, they're going to be reaching out. And it's not, I mean, it's cliche and it kind of became a joke this year, but it's the truth of it's that you marry the house, you date the rate. We have been saying that, but I was listening to a Facebook live, the one I had to pause yesterday, um, that he's like, I can't, I'm so, I, that phrase is just BS. And I'm like, it's not. Like, if home prices continue to go up, can you afford the house that you want next year? Maybe not. Maybe not. And you might not be able to at any rate. And right. and then when we get back into right now, there's there's a little bit of softening and everything. If we're seeing some more inventory come into the market. Yeah. And people like sellers are more willing to work with buyers. You can get an inspection. <laughs> yes. And you don't have to. You're not. You don't have to advise someone that to not get the inspection, you know, and to I hate doing that. I hate having to do that. And I'm like, I want everyone to be able to have a home inspection. Right. Or to, to do to... the you need a cash offer or you need this right. and all these other things that Well an FHA and VA buyers actually get a dog in the race right now. It's right. awesome. And this these are all good things that mm-hmm. when we go back to rates dropping and I don't it's it's not gonna be rates dropping to three. It's gonna no. be rates dropping into the fives. Right. And and the difference between if we're just saying six and a half and five and a half, it's not that much. And it is, it's nominal, nominal, I made up a word, nominal, <laughs> when you think of, okay, am I going to pay 8% more for the house? Yeah. Am I going to be yeah. back into multiples where I'm going to have to pay over it because right. I'm going to wait? $50,000 more because you're in a bidding war? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm totally of the same school of thought. I'm like, I think people should buy houses now when they can still afford them. And then if rates decide to drop, then refinance next year. Right. And I also think that if someone is making a decision to purchase a home based on rate alone, they are really in the wrong frame of mind because you should buy a home because you want to invest in wealth. You want to invest in shelter. You want to create something for yourself. Mm -hmm. Your driver for buying a house shouldn't be 
an interest rate. It should be, can I afford it? Can I afford mm-hmm. the payment? Do I have the the money needed to get into this on the, the loan type that I am comfortable with? Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't be, I'm only going to buy a house if I think rates are going to be X, Y, or Z. Totally. That's why you're on this podcast. <laughs> Birds of a feather. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm like, I'm just really over the doom and gloom. And it's nice to hear someone that literally the senior vice president of one of the biggest one of the biggest shops in town like giving us like the real deal that it's not doom and gloom the sky is not falling yeah no it it absolutely is not and i look at these markets even like in 2009 starting starting a company the reason i did it is there's more opportunity than there's not Mm -hmm. and when people are when you've got a, a big chunk of people operating out of fear, they're like, they can't see the forest through the trees. Mm -hmm. So they are missing out on all the opportunity right in front of them today to do something effective with, with this. I love that. Okay. So talk to the woman that's listening to this podcast. It's like, wow, she is a total badass. And like, you really dominate a male, a total male driven industry. Like, what would you tell, like, that woman listening? Like, if she wants to per- pursue, like, a VP level and really, like, go hard on any career, like, what would you tell that woman? I would say you have to, you have to take it. Not in a, not in a, a stealing sort of way or, and it doesn't need to be forceful, but nobody is ever going to come tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey, Ellie, I think you did a really good job. Would you like to run my company? Mm-hmm. It's the, and it's, and especially the time when I got in the industry and where I was, it was, there's been so much that's happened that is, that's paved the way for more opportunity, but it's been because of the, the work of other leaders to and other females of the, we need to, we need to, to help create mentorship, create opportunity, talk about our stories to to others because there wasn't. But I think of getting into it, into this industry, and, and it could be the same in any industry. I was young. I mean, we're all young when we started something mm-hmm. and female, and it was all middle-aged men. And it didn't matter that I was You're smarter. like, I'm working with my dad. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, and you could sit around and look at a lot of people and think, I could do that better and and I have shown that I can do that better and I think I have a better idea or I know if they would listen to me this would happen but mm-hmm. but they they don't and they don't take you seriously at first because what do you know you're just a you're a young girl and yeah. there's you know it's kind of placating because I was treated like like you say like I'm in a room with my dad well they a lot of them looked at it like I'm in a room with my daughter and right. you get treated almost that way in even in roles, I can go back to something where I was in the same role with somebody and we were paid differently. And the only reason was he was 10 years older than me. You know, I mean, that was really the only thing you could yeah. come in. Like it's I did more of the work and, right. and whatnot, but it was, that's what it was. But the coming Coming back to like bring it full circle, though, when I say take it, you have to, you have to, you can't be passive and you don't have to be aggressive in the like I think sometimes people think aggressive is I'm loud everybody knows when I come Mm -hmm. in a room I'm just taking everything over yeah because that's so not you that's not the aggressive that I talk about but 
but you have to be like aggressive with yourself and knowing what you want. And, and you have to, you have to decide what that is and you have to take it, you know, like you have to act as if the, Mm -hmm. if I want to be the vice president or the senior vice president or the president of this company, I have to, from today forward, act as if I already am that person. I love that. And and remember, too, that you can't get discouraged when someone didn't ask you to be it because nobody, until the last, we'll call it seven or eight years recently, maybe nine, like I was given opportunity and like asked to join something, but then you have to prove yourself and grow mm-hmm. from there. And then you get to a point where you, I shouldn't say I was never asked because you are sought after to Mm -hmm. to do a role that you've already established yourself in doing but until I got to that point of proving myself there was not a single person that came up to me and said I would like to promote you to this I would like to it was you have to ask for it and and you can't get discouraged when you're when it's not recognized that maybe you deserve it because until you say it and act as if and ask for it, it probably won't happen. And I think as females, that's where a lot of us go go sideways or maybe get, mm-hmm. get stunted is it's hard to ask for it. And I didn't for a long time. And I would just, and then I would end up taking more and taking on more that other people should have done. And I wasn't, still wasn't moving to the next I think a lot of times it's like an emotional thing because you don't want to hear no. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, my God, that's going to be crushing or I might cry or whatever. Yep. But like the answer is always no until you ask. Correct. And and you will hear no a few times and you'll maybe you'll hear not yet or whatever, Mm -hmm. but or no, but or Mm -hmm. how, you know, however that goes. But even with with sales or with anything, if we just if we play it safe and we don't do anything because we're going to be told no, we're never going to grow or get out of our mm-hmm. our box. And it is messy. And it and it will tell you too, like what can look really great on the outside was never as smooth as it was. You know, the journey to get there was never as smooth as you might think for somebody. And I love that diagram where it's like you think that the line is straight and it's really like this big messy squiggly yep. thing. And it's like. You don't usually see the messy middle. We talk about the messy Correct. middle on the podcast a lot because that's the part that no one wants to look at. They just want to see here's where she was, here's where she is now, and it was like right. this really rosy path in between, and it it never truly is. Right. No, that is so spot on because we always look at even when we have, you know, we all have people that we put up on a pedestal that we may idolize or that we we see as some type of mentor or somebody we want to model ourselves after. But when we when we see them and we identify them, we see them after they've already accomplished it. So mm-hmm. whether they're 10, 15, 20 years in, we don't see them when they're when they're on the up and up, when they're right. up and coming and when they're fighting for trying to figure it out. But it is you're gonna you're gonna hear no. But thankfully, I figured out how to take it. I love that. I love that. It's inspiring. I love that you like weathered the storm. Like, I feel like I'm an example of what not to do when the market crashed and you're a perfect example of what to do. But look at you now though, like coming back into it of taking like you had, you had experience and you understood the market and you went and did a pivot and did something totally different Mm -hmm. and then got back into it and created a, 
But even like, look at yourself five years ago, I bet you wouldn't have told someone that you thought that you would now be the owner of one of the, like, I think the best branded team in the Metro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, no, I was terrified. You know, I, when I got back into the business, like I had to join a team because I'm like, I don't know if I can do this on my own. And then quickly realized I probably should have left the team sooner. Yep. Yeah. But, but you don't know what you don't, you don't know. know. And you get, and it's like, you kind of, when you're insulated, it's maybe the rejection feels a little softer if someone tells you, <laughs> you know, because you haven't really pushed yourself yet yeah. either. Yeah. It, yeah, it was an, it was an interesting journey and there's still days I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? But I don't think I would change yeah. it for anything now. No. And then I look at it for me and like, even for you, of like what you've, what you've done to get to it and you can say, okay, well, my journey to creating this team in phase two of the real estate career is the last five or six years, mm-hmm. not, not whatever, but why would you stop now? Like you, yeah. you've gotten to the point where you have created more and, and people follow you. People look at you cause they're like, she's doing a lot of things right and even when you're going, should I be doing it? What do I want to do? You know, it's like there's still, for every doubt you have about yourself, you've got a whole audience behind you thinking, I want to do what she's doing. Yeah. I mean, and that's hopefully what we're trying to build here with this podcast that, yep. you know, there was plenty of messy middle that, you know, we always, try, I always try to talk about, like, I totally keep it real. Yeah. Like, you know, but it, if you have the dream and the desire and, Surround yourself with incredible people that make you look good and, for sure, you know, help brainstorm with. I think it's yeah. what makes it work. Well, and that's the the other thing that's so important too is surrounding yourself with the right people because nobody nobody can do it all alone. Right. And wherever you want to go, even when you're even when you're young and you're starting, you still need to identify who the right people are around you. And and usually, like I. I never had a mentor, like a true mentor in the industry, which I feel like I've become more passionate now about finding, like helping people find a mentor because it's- Yeah, they're super important. It is. And finding somebody that you align with that can help you and and give advice and whatnot, I think is critical as a person starting out. And it's also having a coach and a mentor as an- older person, like as where I'm at, I'm like, it's critical too, because we always have to be looking at none of us are ever, we're never going to keep going if we just always keep doing things the same. Mm -hmm. We'll never find success. Mm -hmm. And we've always got to look at how do like markets change, you know, how you feel about things changes, what's important to you changes and being, being able to work on that proactively and have, have some accountability, accountability to that is something that I think happens even better with a coach. It's really hard to do it on your own. I missed my coaching call today for our podcast recording. <laughs> so I'm rescheduling that this week. But yeah, it's it's super important. I've had a real estate coach for the last six and a half years. And like I was like when I first got a coach, I'm kicking myself like thinking what how different could my life have been had I gotten a coach on board so much sooner. Sure. I'm like, you know, I don't like to live in the regret and the what ifs. But um, that's what I was, people are always like, what would you have done differently? I'm like, hired a coach. Yep. That's like, I would have done that before I even knew how to spell realtor or pronounce it because it would have changed everything in my career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think a lot of people, and I know even like, I didn't even, as my younger self, didn't even realize it or really know anything about it. And it wasn't, there wasn't, it, I feel like it's become a lot easier now. And when I say easy, like easier to find one, like there's, mm-hmm. there's really good reputable coaches out there that if you don't know anybody in an, in the industry that you can hire a very reputable coach. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't feel like it was 25 years ago for me. No, it wasn't. people weren't talking about it. Mm-mm. It's kind of like same, like talking about therapy. Like you're like, you went to therapy, but you didn't talk about it because Correct. it was like, Oh, there's something wrong with them. And now it's like people like brag about having a therapist and having coaches. And like, why not? Professional athletes do. Like, why shouldn't we in every area of our life? Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I agree. Well, this was a fun conversation. How can people find you? Where, Where are you on social? You can find me on the Instagram. On the gram? <laughs> that would be my preferred, at Elisa Cummings is my handle. Um, I couldn't be just Ellie because apparently there's an Ellie Cummings out there. That's, oh, really? That got to How the Graham ahead of me. But <laughs> I've yet to see her on there. And then is that your personal or your professional one? I have them melded, my personal okay. professional on Instagram. I do have on Facebook, I am both. I have at Ellie Cummings is personal. And then there's Ellie Cummings, New American Funding. Really creative name for my yeah. <laughs> professional <laughs> one. I love that. Well, thank you for being here today and thank you for like setting such an awesome example of what it looks like to like really like go after what you want, not say no or like, you know, like set a goal and go after it and um, really like you set the bar really high for mortgage professionals in the Twin Cities and I think probably nationwide, but I get to deal (laughs) with you in in the Twin Cities and I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. Thank you for thinking of me and for having me on. This was fun. Thank you. Well, until next time, Bus Bench Babes, keep your face off a bus bench and keep being the badass boss babes that you are. Okay, girls, are you feeling as inspired as we are? We're over here cheering you on because you just finished another episode of the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. If you want more, head over to girlgetyourfaceoffabusbench.com for show notes and more episodes. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. They mean the world to us and they're what keep us going. Girl, thanks for being here.